You're listening to episode 56 of the STEM Space. What are some things that you focus on when you teach engineering design challenges? Today, Natasha is walking us through a lesson she just taught to undergraduate students that are engineers going to be teachers. Let's find out what she thinks is most important. Hey, I'm Claire. And I'm Natasha. From college roommates to co-founders of Vivify STEM, pull up a seat as we discuss our experiences as aerospace engineers, teachers, moms, program directors, curriculum writers, graduate students, and friends. This is the STEM Space Podcast. Hey, Claire, how's it going? Good. Just more teaching. Another week of teaching. <laughs> Yay. How, How are you? That? I am doing well. But before we dive into this podcast, how is your class going? What are some of the stuff you guys are working on? So still invention convention. That's my big thing that we're doing right now. And then uh, let's see, we're doing a lot of books in STEM and then doing things based on books in my lower grades, which has been really exciting. My first graders are reading Iggy Peck and Building Bridges. So that's, that's a great one. How are behavior issues? Because I remember earlier in the semester, there were some challenges. Has that gotten better? So much better. I think a lot of the ways that we talked about working in teams on a previous podcast that has really helped just the more practice. I mean, the further we get along in the year, the better it gets sprinkling in those stage one STEM challenges to work on teamwork and communication. I mean, it's invaluable. So if you ever get discouraged listeners, like I have been, just keep doing those challenges. I promise it pays off. And I think having expectations right around the behavior in the beginning of the year the semester is just like chaos because they don't know what they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to act and once there's like routines in place I I imagine things get better yes and another thing that we could probably do a whole podcast episode on this is talking about the upstairs and downstairs brain have you heard about this oh my gosh is this another learning fad I need to debunk (laughs) well maybe but hopefully not because I taught it to my students (laughs) What is the, can you give me a little bit of this? I'm curious. Okay, sneak preview, because uh, I'll probably end up making something for this, is, is talking about how the different parts of our brain work. So there's some neuroscience in there, but specifically teaching children how to navigate when they're ha- experiencing big emotions, which is what's in what they call downstairs brain, which is like the back of your brain. So if you were to map out your brain to look like a house, The back lower part of your brain is more the emotional that has the fight, flight, or freeze response. And then the front or top of your brain is more of the analytical stop and think part. And so it's navigating and teaching kids like you experience big emotions. And when you do that, the downstairs part of your brain cuts off the stairs so that the upstairs can't stop and think about it before you react. And so making the students aware of that and giving them strategies to overcome that before their pot boils over or their switch flips, that's something that I've been working on through engineering design challenges. And that has been huge. So we can talk more about that in a later episode. Yeah, I I need a whole episode on that just so I can figure out how to deal with my three-year-old and her (laughs) big emotions. They probably haven't developed that upstairs yet because it doesn't fully develop until you're like 25. So. Oh, 
<laughs> to explain some people's husband, just shout out there uh, if, if you're young and married. <laughs> yep, we can both relate to that. Um, okay, well, what I wanted to discuss on this episode is my experience that I had last week in, I okay, so I just got my master's degree, right, last yeah. December. And what's really exciting about that is I am now apparently qualified to teach undergrad, so a college course. And I had that first opportunity last week in teaching this engineering methods class, basically Ooh. how to teach engineering for kids. Uh, so I was just a guest speaker. It's not like my class, um, but I was given the opportunity to do one of the, the lectures. And I was just like so excited about it. And I was like texting you. I'm like such a nerd. (laughs) And I can't wait to actually have my own class and like from start to finish. And so this was just like a little taste. And I'm sure it's much more difficult to have your whole like course developed. But what she tasked me with for my hour and a half class was on engineering design. Right. And kind of gave me full freedom to do what I want. But what is unique about these students is they are seniors, engineering students. So they are in their senior year. Some of them are going to graduate a semester late to get some more credits. Um, So half the class is doing senior design and the other half is doing that next semester. So you remember our senior design, right? Rocketry was asleep. Yeah, right. I know. I don't know how they're doing it. But they want to be teachers. So they are going to be certified to teach 6th through 12th grade math and science and engineering classes. And so they get this extra set of coursework to help them get that certification. And then next year, they're actually going to do student teaching. So they're getting the same or similar training to pre-service education majors. But they also have an engineering degree, which is like pretty wild, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so... This is new because I know you and I would have been like all over this. I feel like if we were in college right now, right? What do you yeah, think about it? Yeah, we took the it? hard way to, to this route. <laughs> I know. Back in school 10 years later. <laughs> yeah. Well, what? so the point of this class, the last, I think they've been in class now for like a month and a half, was to break them down. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> and to realize that a lot of the stuff out there around STEM and engineering isn't great. And they may not realize that. And that is where they were at right now is they had to do this, um, pick a lesson online, any lesson and critique it. And they were really critiquing these lessons, right? Like, that's terrible. That's not teaching any concepts. You know, that's too superficial, all these things. So they're this place where they're just angry at everything. But they don't know what to do with that. Like, okay, mm. there's all these terrible lessons out there. So what do I teach? How, how do I move forward? And I find that it's really easy to just think everything's bad. But the hard part is having a solution. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's easy to critique something, but yeah. coming up with your own stuff. Mm-hmm. That's hard. So what I did with them was the Space Lander, which mm. is one of our favorites. Um, and I want to tell you how it went to do the Space Lander Challenge. I had them as students, right? So I actually made them experience this as students, and it was really entertaining. So the first thing that happened was all of my technology didn't work. So I had, you know, mm-hmm. I wanted to have my TV up, like project the videos. There's a dramatic seven minutes of terror and all that stuff. But I had my STEM teacher hat on, and I brought my backup pipe cleaner 
a bag of pipe cleaners, right? Nice. And so I was like, guys, I need like 10 minutes. So you guys are going to do a tower challenge. And at this point, they have learned to hate all tower challenges. <laughs> they're like, they're not engineering design. They're not teaching science. Like they're just like these silly superficial things. And I'm like, well, we're going to do it. And then we're going to talk about it. So anybody listening, not familiar, pipe cleaner tower, build the tallest freestanding tower. But then I throw in some constraints, right? So I like change it up, put an arm behind your back and keep building or, you know, don't talk while you're building. We have a whole blog post on this. So I got my technology back, right? We were good. They build these towers. Most of them fell over. They had 10 Mm. minutes to build. Only one team could get like a two foot tower, which was really disappointing. (laughs) How like high do your students go with this? These are engineering Mm -hmm. grad, not grad, undergrad. Undergrad, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the pipe cleaner tower challenge is really difficult, but I've had students that can make it as tall as them. Oh, dang. No Mm -hmm. way. Yeah. I mean, it takes a very long time. It's one of those where I have to take, like, I don't give constraints anymore because I'm like, I think you could actually do it, but I'm not going to limit you anymore because I want to see you do it. But yeah, it is hard. It's really hard. Yeah. So they were, they knew the right things to say build a base, right? Mm -hmm. Make it stable. And they knew what they needed to do, but they got so intricate with trying to like add more pipe cleaners that it got top heavy. And that's, I've seen that with middle school. And this one team had like a really nice solid base and that's the one that worked, but the other two just were like total failures. And (laughs) we talked about what was the point of this? Like, why did we do this? Why is this useful? But is it teaching math and science? And that's the disconnect is this tower challenge. I cannot claim that you now understand, you know, forces in motion or center of gravity. But like we've talked about before, it built their teamwork skills, their communication, their perseverance. And that is the foundation to then where I took them with the Space Lander Challenge. So Claire, tell us about the Space Lander Challenge. What do you do? What's the mission? And this was a Mars version. Okay, the Mars version. Well, I might do it differently than you, so we'll see. Well, tell me how you okay. So the basics, basis of this is you have this cup and you put ping pong balls in it. Did you put two ping pong balls? Sometimes yes. you do it with marshmallows, but that's always a disaster pong. in mine because mm-hmm. <laughs> they eat it. Yep. So put two ping pong balls, that's your astronauts, in the cup. And the cup has to be glued to a, I usually do like a small paper plate. And that is like what you start with. And your challenge is to make it so that when you drop that with the paper plate towards the floor from a given height, that the ping pong balls don't bounce out. So you have to build something below that paper plate or cardboard platform to absorb the impact while also making sure it's going to be stable and doesn't flip over once it hits the ground. Exactly. Yes. Instead of a paper plate, I just did a square piece of paper, like cardstock. Okay. Same idea. I was trying, so with these engineering challenges, you could have a lot of different intended learning outcomes, right? Mm -hmm. And that's something important. And that's what I was trying to teach them is know where you want it to go and what you want the kids to learn. So with Pipe Cleaner, we are not teaching forces of motion. We are teaching teamwork communication. So the reflection piece is all about that. Like, how did you work together? What challenges did you face? With the Space Lander, they're learning about the learning cycle, and that's a way to teach science concepts. So first, you explore the concept. Then you have a discussion around concept development to get the kids to really start understanding the, you can, that's where you put in vocabulary, you ask questions on how it works, and then you apply this new concept you learned. And so with the Space Lander, 
it was the application of some science concepts. So you mentioned a few of those. So there's stability. We talked about that. Shock absorption. So I had them do, you know, the jumping thing, right? You know what I'm talking about? So -hmm. the kids, I made them all get up and jump normally and then jump with their knees locked and talking about like springs and how they absorb shock, like our knees are springs. And then the last one was drag. So how does the larger surface area increase our drag? And so those are the concepts I wanted them to apply in this design challenge. So then what happened was I gave them the supplies and they started building and they attempted to apply all the shock absorbing and drag concepts at the same time by taking every single piece of material that I gave them and building these like elaborate systems. Okay. So they were having like springs One they called it the cake method where they were like layering stuff and it was like all over just like as you would imagine engineering students i was about to say that sounds pretty typical right (laughs) over engineer yeah yeah and so we started with two ping pong balls to drop from knee height and about 20 minutes in nobody had tested and i was like guys you got to test this to see if it's working and they're like no no i gotta add this and add this and (laughs) and i was like just stop and test everybody failed from knee height like a foot and a half from the ground they all failed and I was trying to kind of provoke them a little and I was like I have a sixth grader who I was able to drop from 10 feet two ping pong balls they are able to do it you can do it (laughs) and they were mad at this point (laughs) and so we we simplified we went to one ping pong ball from knee height just to like let's have some success (laughs) in the end one of the groups was successful. They got it to, I think it was waist height. Everybody else was just flipped. Like they would drop it and it was so springy that it would like make the whole thing bounce. Yeah. And I showed them the winning design because I still remember how that sixth grader did that one design. All about drag. They took every piece of material and increased the surface area and they didn't even worry about shock absorption. There was nothing underneath. It was just widening this surface area and it just floats down (laughs) and is successful. And so they were angry (laughs) at me. And I was like, what is the lesson here? Like what? And I actually didn't anticipate this direction, but they were saying, you as engineers do not need to use every resource provided. Just because you have all these straws and index cards and this idea that you can turn them into springs doesn't mean you have to. You really got to focus on what's the best outcome or the best way to utilize the resources. So what are your thoughts on this outcome? That is a great lesson. And I think probably one of the most important lessons that is not taught in engineering, first of all, because when you get out in the real world, you have a budget and you really are encouraged to not use as much as possible. So yeah, that was a great lesson. I remember when we did this at Seek a couple of years ago, we went to a conference and had grown-ups, teachers doing this challenge. And the best design was somebody who all they did was unfold a piece of newspaper and stuck it to the bottom. And like you said, drag, that's the big thing. Did you have any aerospace engineers in your class that you taught? Um, they're more like computer electrical, so no. Okay. All right. So not really structural people anyway. True. But I told them about drag, but they yeah, just they don't. Didn't. No. They're just on the logic <laughs> but they're also on this, you told me about shock absorption. And I had them do this whole demonstration mm-hmm. and they were very distracted by that. Even though we did a dr- demonstration on drag and I had a sheet of paper and then I balled up a second sheet of paper and dropped both. So the larger, um, the one that stayed open 
drop slowly. So I was trying to get them to think about like mm-hmm. surface area, but. Cause you don't want to lead them down a path and be like, right. you should really pay more attention to drag. No. But I'm also going to tell you about these other things just to throw you off. Like that's not something teachers should do anyway. Yeah. That's really interesting that they were so focused on that. But yeah. did you talk to them about like variables and testing shock absorption first or t- testing drag, like separating the concept? No, I didn't, but that's a good idea because I, they were so, the last thing I taught them was shock absorption. So I think that's what they just focused mm-hmm. on, but they said, it's because you gave us all these materials that we felt like we needed to use them. And they, the constraints were use what's provided, but it wasn't use everything. It was just like, you're limited to these materials. So on our brainstorming worksheets that we usually provide in engineering design challenges, we have this table where we usually have the first column where you list the materials. And then the second, third, fourth column would be how could you use this material to provide shock absorption? Mm -hmm. Then how could you use this material for drag? And so that is usually really helpful in kids segmenting and be like, okay, cotton balls. Yeah, that would be a shock absorption. Um, Probably not stability as much unless you spread them out, but it helps them really think through those concepts. Is that something that they went through? Yeah, that's a great point. So I changed it up a little. I had them, before we talked about any science, I presented the challenge, I showed them the materials, and then I had them individually brainstorm. We've talked about that, Mm -hmm. how it's so important to just think on your own before you get everybody else's opinions and the team dynamics. So they did that. And I was like, okay, now let's talk about some potentially useful (laughs) science concepts. And so we went through those and then I put them in teams and then they were just on their own. But they were engineering students. So I don't know if I need the hand holding of like, maybe you should use <laughs> this for drag. <laughs> Clearly you did though. <laughs> <laughs> but they also had a very short amount of time. And sure. I'm excited to try this again. I'm presenting at NSTA, which is the National Science Teachers Association Conference that's going to be in Houston at the end of March. And it's going to be this Spacelander challenge. And we're going to talk about some same ideas on how to use this to teach engineering design. But another piece is the connection of engineering design to the reality of engineering. So once we finished the Spacelander challenge, we talked about, okay, what process did we use? What does the engineering design process look like? You know, we identified the problem, we brainstormed solutions, and it's not, it's a little messier than kind of what the flow chart looks like. Well, then I was like, you know, I'm, I actually worked as an engineer and you can look up the engineering design process for NASA and for the Department of Defense. So I showed them both of them. Have you seen that, Claire? (laughs) No, I would have never thought to look that up. So if you look up DOD acquisition process, it's their fancy words for the engineering design process. I'm going to actually pull this up so you can see what I... Acquisition process. Do you see it? I, I don't, I don't see it. Okay. Hold on. Share it with me. Yes. (laughs) So, okay. I know what those words mean separately, (laughs) but I don't see how that relates to the engineering design process. So is this something that the DOD and NASA are promoting for their employees to follow? Like, do they have to submit something or is this just a, in general, good practice? Yeah. So I'm trying to find a good image So this is like a Google image. It won't let me make it bigger, but it's like a million different steps. 
right? <laughs> and it's like, this is the one that I showed them. It's really tiny, but it oh describe what goodness. you're seeing. So there's this crazy flow chart is what it looks like. And I mean, there's what, like four different pathways that are all color coded. And there's at least like 20 boxes or something in each pathway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the, is that like a Gantt chart of some type? Underneath? At the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. So this is, they call it acquisition because it means acquiring new technology. So if we want to acquire a new fighter jet, for example, this is the process you go from initial concept of design to like risk analysis and testing of materials and engine testing and all the things that we do as an engineer. But there's also the budget piece. And maybe when you're, say, you're designing a fighter jet, there might be new electronics that you need to develop. And then how does it all integrate together is like later on in the chart. That okay. systems integration is a huge piece. And then at the very end is maintenance. So we, we've designed it, then we've tested it, and then we have to manufacture it. And then how do we maintain it? And how long is that going to kind of stay out in the, in the DoD as a technology? And NASA has a very similar chart. But the point here is how does this compare to what we show students of the engineering <laughs> design process? Well, we actually want students to become engineers, so we don't show them anything that's that scary. <laughs> and that's what the students said that are engineering students. They're like, oh, this is scary. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if it depends on the age of the students. I think the goal here is to show that it's more complicated than like a simple process, but there's actually hundreds of people that are part of this. It's not like you, Claire, the engineer in charge of this satellite is going to have to hit all these milestones and reports and all that. So it was, it was really interesting. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, well, so I actually have seen something like this before because we had this at Air Tractor and somebody, um, our manager printed it out. And it was on this like massive sheet of butcher paper that we had this big conference table and it literally would roll off both ends of the conference table in like several rolls. And so we'd like drag it across to find, okay, on the Gantt chart, got to go to the next bubble. Like, where are we here? And there's, there was five of us engineers working on this thing. And so, yeah, it was scary then (laughs) still, still nightmares from that. But I think the whole goal is, is that there is a process that, is helpful and it is messier than putting it on paper, but we do need to kind of follow these logical steps that are pretty much natural or will be once you have more practice in engineering design. And so that's what we're trying to promote when we give these tools to students of, hey, you gotta, you can't just jump from, oh, I have an idea to starting to build. You actually need to think through what you're doing. And that's that's the whole point. I mean, it doesn't have to use the right words. I know a lot of people use the ask, imagine, mm-hmm. I forget what that is. And we use other words like identify the problem and brainstorm. So it it doesn't have to look the same, but it's just the idea of being intentional about thinking through what you're doing. Instead of just jumping right in, like you're maybe need to do a little bit of research or looking at what already has been done with that or applying a specific science concept. So I agree. And I think also tying in 
the reality of engineering where appropriate can be very insightful if you are an engineering teacher and you're telling students, I am going to prepare you for engineering, making sure that kids don't walk away thinking the space lander is the type of stuff I'm going to be doing as an aerospace engineer. And that's where I want to end here is this thought of these engineering students. I asked them what they want to teach as engineering, like they have an engineering background. And so they're really passionate about helping other kids that maybe had similar struggles to them. So like one girl did not have a good physics teacher. And that really was not great experience for her when she started engineering, didn't have the like background she needed. Or another one was always told that math was for boys. And so she's like, how can I help as a teacher to break those stereotypes? Well, they're going to be certified to teach math and science as well as engineering electives. And they said prior to coming to this class, they were like, yeah, I'm going to teach calculus. I'm going to teach physics. But this class got them really excited about engineering and engineering design and doing like an engineering elective or something. And so I asked them this question, which I'm going to ask you, what was the most foundational knowledge you needed to be successful in undergrad engineering? Like what were the classes you really needed to be taking before you entered college? Ooh, that's a really good question. It would probably be, uh, I mean, math and physics or what, like calculus and physics or what, what stands yeah. out to me, because that's the basics that you can build upon when you go to engineering school. Um, yeah, and that's what they said. So these are four years ago, they were in high school. And so I wanted like fresh perspective. What did you need? And that student that said physics was not, uh, she wasn't prepared well is behind because she didn't have the preparation she needed for physics. And so the message to them was, if you want to prepare future engineers, you are most needed in math and science. Mm. Engineering design is fun and interesting, but I know I didn't have preparation in design process. Like when we got to senior design, probably got a PowerPoint slide on it, you know, and then we just <laughs> kind of like figured it out and learned it. And on the flip side, they can take the space lander or other design challenges and put into physics teach calculus through applying it to a design challenge like that's the power to me of engineering in k through 12 is using it to apply these concepts but we've become distracted by some of the engineering movement where we have whole classes that are almost like what used to be wood shop is like engineering preparation school i don't want to call anybody out here but um <laughs> it's become using tools like AutoCAD and SolidWorks and memorizing words that like isometric drawings and knowing how to do that. And then we're not putting time spent in calculus and physics. And then our kids are walking into engineering school in undergrad and are not prepared. They know the engineering words, but they don't have the basics. They can so. build whatever out of cardboard. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so that is... One concern I have with this like engineering STEM movement, we both teach engineering design. Like we are fully supportive of it, but not if it's replacing such critical math and science skills that every single kid, regardless if they're going to be engineers, needs to have access to. So I think I kind of confused them <laughs> at the end because I'm like, I'm so excited that you love engineering design and this class has kind of made you excited about it. But don't forget the basics and that you can have the most impact as an engineer, engineering professional or have a background in engineering to get kids prepared to be successful in whatever career they choose. So that was my ending for that class. Preach. <laughs> that is, yeah, that is so wise. And I feel like that needs to be shouted from the rooftops 
of not to lose that. And that's why we always talk about you're not really teaching STEM, which is the point. If you're leaving out the math and science, like that should be at the forefront because you can't do engineering without both of those. Exactly. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. Thanks for sharing and good luck on doing it again at the conference. Yeah, if you're going to be at NSTA, please come see me. I can't wait to hear more. All right. Our closing for today's podcast is from Instagram user the Melissa Morango. Have a stemtastic day.